This is the Payments Ground Game, where we go under the operational hood of Payments ISOs. Let's take a deep dive into the tactics you can use to strategically scale performance and the bottom line of your ISO. Welcome to our first episode of Payments Ground Game. I'm Elena Smith, and I'm here with Kevin Smith. We own a wholesale ISO, Secure Bank Card. And as you can imagine, you don't just up and start a company like this without having any other experience in payments. Today, we're going to kick it off by hearing about Kevin's past experiences in the industry. Personally, I've already shared a lot of my background and insight into the way that we operate our company on social media like LinkedIn. Kevin hasn't shared quite as much, so today he'll share his journey, starting from his early days in the Marine Corps to his transition to the business world. We'll talk about how those experiences contributed to our vision for Secure Bank Card. We'll also cover the pivotal role that mentorship played in our success. Let's get started. Kevin, why don't you start with introducing yourself and giving us a short overview of your career to date? Hey, everyone. This is Kevin Smith. I'm Elena's other half. And some of you may know me, some of you probably don't. I've been in the business for quite some time and started quite early as I, once I had exited the Marine Corps in 1990, I was looking for a job so I could go back to school full time. I answered an ad in the paper to do data entry for a small ISO called Bank Card Systems in Southern California. And as I started to work there and continued to grow with that company while I was going to school at night, I quickly learned after a relatively short period of time that even though I was going to graduate with my degree in computer science, I think I had actually found what I wanted to do for my career, which was credit card processing. I stayed with Secure Bank Card for several years, uh, worked for a gentleman by the name of Stephen Dunn there. Stephen would later on in my career become a great mentor for me. But like most folks in this business, Stephen decided to exit in 1998, and in doing so, that afforded me the opportunity to go to work for a very large organization by the name of Conquer DFS. I worked there for several years, helping, assisting them, building and growing their ISO business until such time as they were acquired in 2004 by First Data. And at that point, I decided it was probably time to go figure out how to build one of these organizations from scratch. And fortunately, I found a friend of mine that was wanting to do that in the name of McAllister Smith. And McAllister and I started a company called Pipeline Data. We were able to grow Pipeline Data quite significantly over the first several years that we were there and were able to, in turn, transition that into a private equity group by the name of Comvest. And then once we did that, I was able to find my way off to do my own thing, which is where Elena and I started Secure Bank Card. And we've been doing Secure Bank Card now for about 11 years, and it's been interesting, fun, successful, challenging, frustrating, all of those things all wrapped up things. into one. All the things. Okay, so let's dive into each of these experiences a little bit more. Let's go back to the very beginning. How do you think that your time in the Marine Corps influenced your trajectory in the business world? You know, the Marine Corps is going to affect most 
everyone differently. For me, what the Marine Corps did is the Marine Corps grounded me. The Marine Corps helped me realize how to set goals. It allowed me the opportunity to show that I could do things that I almost didn't even think I was capable of doing. It was the ability to give me the confidence in myself to go out and accomplish things that quite honestly, I don't believe most people can do without having that kind of leadership direction or accomplishment early in their life. Great. So moving on to bank card system, which was your introduction to the payments industry. It sounds like that experience is a testimonial to the fact that you can start at an entry level position in payments and the sky's the limit. What did you learn from that experience? Exactly that, that the sky can be the limit. Early on, I had answered, the, as I had stated earlier, and in the paper to go work for this ISO doing data entry. I had no idea what they did, how they did it, what they did, uh, what that experience was going to entail. But I was going to go to school at night and get my degree in computer science, which I thought was going to be my future. Little did I know that after working at uh, bank card systems for as many years as I did, I started to grow. I started to learn how to do different things. I started to learn how to underwrite. I started learning risk and risk systems and how do risk systems work and how do you investigate transactions, customer service. How do you manage a customer service call center? How do you build a customer service call center? Application flow and learned how to take and take multiple processes and put them together into streamlined, effective process flows that helped organize and build the business. And it was quite interesting to learn these things early on. And fortunately, I was given the capability by Steve Dunn at the organization who was the owner to try these new challenges, take on these new challenges, and work to see how we could improve not only the areas that I was working in, but other areas in the company. So it sounds like you came in as an outsider and you were able to have a lot of ownership over processes and that you were able to bring a fresh perspective. A lot of times we come with our you know, preconceived notions of how to do things because we did them in that way yesterday. And it sounds like because you came in from the outside um, and had some different ways, you know, different ideas about how, how you might want things to be done, that you were able to you know, create processes and have some contribution into how these operational processes were going to run. You know, one of the things I learned early on in the Marine Corps is if there's a problem to be solved and you're the one that solves it, you're either going to be the goat as in the greatest of all time, because you solved that problem or you're going to be the goat because you're literally sitting over in the corner eating grass and shitting all over the place. <laughs> Steven, was a great mentor. Steven was the owner of uh, Bank Card Systems, and he was a great mentor. And as we were a young, growing company, just like everyone else, we didn't have a plethora of employees. So it was literally, hey, we're going to go build out an underwriting system. How do we do that? Who's going to do that? How do we do that? And I love to raise my hand and say, hey, let me go give it a shot. I'll try. And we did that with underwriting. We did that with risk. We did that with terminal deployment. We did that with customer service. We did that with operations efficiencies and how do we make things faster and how do we take things from 
today taking seven days to go from an application coming in to a terminal being delivered to how do we reduce that to three days, which in 1994, 1995 was lightning fast. These were some of the experiences and things that I learned, not because I was fantastic, but because I was given the opportunity. I was given the opportunity and I was not afraid to fail. I was not afraid to say, okay, we tried that. That didn't work. Let's try something else. And fortunately for me, I had someone that was willing to let me run with that. Let me do those types of things. And that can make all the difference when you get that encouragement and support, I think. But Bank Card Systems eventually sells, and then you start working for Concord EFS, and you're going on to run their wholesale ISO division. That was in the early 2000s. What did the landscape of players look like at that time as far as wholesale ISOs and what that part of the space, how did that work at that time? I know it was a lot different than it is right now. You know, it was different. It was also quite the same. You know, as things change, they also remain the same. At that time, there were still the major players out there. First Data was the major player. Uh, Nova Information Systems was a major player. Uh, Chase Payment Tech, which at the time was... Uh, the payment tech platform was a major player. Uh, NPC was a major player. These organizations were out there building these large ISO uh, business models. And Concord EFS being a large participant in the petroleum space and in the supermarket space and starting to make inroads into the retail space did not have a wholesale division. And fortunately for me, the things that I learned working for Steve about don't be afraid to take on a challenge. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to look at things from a different perspective. I was very fortunate that Concord would allowed me to help them with their entrance into that space to build out their ISO program. And fortunately for us at the time, we were able to find an acquisition that propelled us even further into the position we wanted to be in. We were we acquired a company called Card Payment Systems, which was owned by a gentleman by the name of Larry Stone. And once we did that, Larry's organization already had an inordinate amount of the operational infrastructure. We just needed to implement that infrastructure into Concord EFS. We were able to do that. We were able to become extremely successful and within a very, very short period of time, we became one of the top three ISO providers in the country, which was a lot of fun. Tell us a little bit about what it was like to manage an operation that size during that time period, because when I'm thinking back to that organization that you're involved in and the volume of applications that they were processing every day. I mean, it was just a whole other level. And so tell us a little bit about how the onboarding was different margins were much different there. What were some of the things, and just give us an idea of what it was like then versus what it's like now. You know, today we're all used to the electronic application. We're all used to APIs. We're all used to, you know, integrations being done where everything can be done with just a single click and things move from one place to the other. Back in the early 2000s, we were still accepting applications the most expedient manner possible, which was via fax machine. Uh, we were processing in the neighborhood of 2,000 to 3,000 applications a month. We were boarding those applications by 
literally having six fax machines set next to six data entry people. Those personnel were taking these faxes as they were coming in off the fax machine and literally keying them into the system, putting them into manila folders. We would then hand them off to someone in an underwriting group, and the underwriting group would be pulling credit manually. Uh, there's no such thing back then as let's go on Google and look for the individual. How does their, what does the uh, Google Earth photo look like? You had to actually have photos coming into you so that you could verify that the place actually existed. And how did you do that with photos? Uh, I, most people don't even know how to take a photo that doesn't happen on their phone. These were photos that were coming in from the print shop or photos that were coming Kodak. in from a, they were coming in from Kodak. <laughs> so with all of that extra effort, I imagine that that meant that the size of a supporting staff for that operation had to be pretty sizable. It did. And most shops our size were operating with staffs in the neighborhood of three to 500, uh, which you, you had to have staff for application input data entry. You had to have personnel to handle underwriting. You had to have personnel to help with copy, photocopying, putting together files, manipulating files. You had to have people in boarding. You had to have people in relationship management. Not that you don't have those functions today, but the functionality was much more manual back then. Not to mention customer service, not to mention technical support, not to mention terminal downloading, not to mention terminal deployment. All of these areas, when we were at Concord EFS, we had the support and backup support of a couple of hundred folks in with customer service in Memphis, but in New York, we were processing these applications, handling risk, doing risk investigations, handling customer service and primary technical support along with terminal boarding, et cetera, in an office that was about 10,000 square feet in the middle of Manhattan. And we had roughly 97 employees. I say roughly 97 employees. I know exactly it was 97 employees. It was amazing. It was incredible. It was watching the harmony and the focus from the individuals that were there. And we were so in tune with what we were doing. Like I said earlier, we were processing and boarding anywhere from two to 3,000 merchant applications a month. We were monitoring in excess of 150,000 merchants. We were processing roughly a billion dollars a month in credit card volume. It was an exciting time to be involved in this industry. It was an exciting time to be involved with a front edge leading ISO shop and business for a large institution like Concord EFS. And I know you had a lot of fun doing that, but then almost overnight, maybe maybe it was overnight, Concord EFS sells to First Data, and um, you decide that you do not want to make the move with First Data. And so you plan your next move, and you go to Pipeline, going from something that was pretty well established to something where there was no operational infrastructure, and you're having to build it out yourself. Where the heck do you begin when you do something like that? It started on a flight back from Los Angeles to New York. As you were sitting right there next to me and you said, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? We had just spent the weekend in Los Angeles talking to First Data about possibly coming out and running their program out there for their ISO business. And you said, babe, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know, but we're not going to go to work for First Data. 
I, that was, I'll never forget that moment as long as I love. Well, it was just when you went, it was a completely different way of managing that kind of business based on, you know, what you were doing was just, it was a lot more fun and gone, wild west kind of, you know, you just, you had such control and you were going, you were looking at the alternative, which was a very bureaucratic, um, you know, formal process oriented, seemed like the more people they had, the more proud they were of the work they were doing. It was just a different environment from what you were coming from. It wasn't all about the product. It was about, um, you know, the building and the people that it took to get that product instead, if that's if that's an accurate depiction of, of the comparison. I would say that's very accurate. You know, at Concord, we had that mentality of whatever it takes to get it done. We just got to get it done and we got to get it done now. Scrappy. Let's all get together and do it. Scrappy is a very good term for it. Uh, First Data was much, much more uh, corporate. And coming from that Concord environment where it was all about growth, it was all about objectives and hitting your objectives and exceeding your objectives. And talking about or thinking about going to work for a corporate environment that was Quite honestly, let's just make sure that we're all saying the right things when we're supposed to be saying the right things. Let's make sure that we're not offending anybody. That was just not an environment that was going to be conducive to growth, expansion, and success for me. So we were coming home on that airplane, and I'll never forget that. I told you we were not going to go to work for First Data, and we said, what are we going to do? And fortunately for us, we received I received a phone call the very next day from a friend of mine named McAllister Smith. And McAllister said, hey, Kevin, I've reverse merged into a public company called Pipeline Data. All we have is a public shell. Let's go build an ISO. And my reaction was, you've got to be absolutely crazy. But this sounds like it could be a lot of fun. How do we do it? And I think I came home literally two days later and said, we're going to go work for Pipeline. I'm going to go work for Pipeline Data, babe. We're moving to Atlanta. So we made the move to Atlanta. Why did you choose Atlanta? Why was that the right location for you to build out that company? As is today, Atlanta was still the hub for the payments business, even back then in 2004. The experience was here. The ability to grow a company economically was here. It was still a place where the economics were good. The population for employees was good. The cost of living was fantastic. It was an opportunity for us to move into the hub, which was very well, which was very centralized, focused, centrally focused in the U.S., and grow our next opportunity. And how did you go about going to market? Tell me a little bit about how you made plans to build this. If you were starting from nothing, um, what was your strategy at that point in time? You know, our strategy at that time was build it as fast as we could, build it as effective as we effective and efficiently as we could. We went out and we brought on people that we knew that we knew could multitask, that we knew could do multiple jobs that had the capability, we knew their work ethic, had the capability to work long hours and put forth the effort needed. Uh, Because in your first couple of years, as you're building something from scratch, the two things you don't have is time and you don't have money. So you've got to 
you've got to quickly build up. You've got to quickly get to a point in which you're making money. And that was our objective. So if we brought on a few people that we knew that could do that, that we thought could be effective and work hard, work with us with the same attitude and with the same understanding and with the same objectives. And what kind of business were you boarding in the early stages of that company? Because if I remember correctly, it was different from the kind of business that you were boarding at Concord EFS. Very true. At Concord EFS, we were boarding the traditional retail mom and pop shops. Most of it was mostly, it was diverse, but it was mostly brick and mortar business. In the early 2000s, the internet was starting to take hold and people were starting to recognize the internet. People were starting to put businesses out on the internet. And most of our industry was fearful of the internet, fearful of non-face-to-face activity and fearful of the risk associated with that. We embraced that at Pipeline and we figured that was a hot market for us to strike. And that's what we did. We were actually one of the first ones to come out with an online application. We were one of the first ones to implement our own gateway and our own proprietary products for that gate for that gateway. We were one of the first ones that built a risk system around the understanding that a credit card wasn't present, that most of these were small mom and pop merchants that were doing things online, but they weren't doing them. They were doing them online and not face to face. So we built our model around that. And in doing so, we were able to hit a hot market early. And we were able to grow the company with explosive growth in the first three years. I know you had a lot of fun doing that. And then eventually private equity becomes a part of the picture. And tell us a little bit about how things changed when they became a a part of the equation. You know, Elena, you're right. In 2009, after we had grown pipeline like we had, we took on a private equity investment from a group called Combast out of Florida. And that actually exposed me to a new side of the business, which was much more of an analytic side. It was much more of a, how are we going to take what we're doing today and turn it into a either A, more profitable, B, faster growing, or C, sellable business within a short period of time. It also exposed me into the world of acquisitions. I had not been very involved in any of the acquisitions in the past. And the private equity group was all about, let's go acquire things. Let's acquire things and figure out how do we mesh them together with what we already have. And so we did that for a couple of years. That was a very interesting and exciting time for me. Was We went out and we acquired a company called Synergy Data out of bankruptcy and acquired those assets. And it was all about, let's go get Synergy Data ramped back up. And how do we bring some of what we're doing to Synergy Data to turn them from that bankrupt organization into a successful, thriving business once again? That environment, I think, was fun for a while. But then the more the more involved you became with private equity, um, it became very political. Uh, it became a little bit toxic. Um, it's, you were posting returns, but it was, it seemed like for private equity, they always wanted a little bit more than what you actually posted. And you can do that for a time. And then it just gets a little bit discouraging. And I know you're very results driven. Um, and I just saw it in, you know, the way you were acting and just, it was kind of deflating you a little bit, um, and that you felt like you were posting great results, but, uh, maybe somebody else on the team was not, 
um, or it just the pr private equity wanted a little bit more than what the team was able to do. And so it just you weren't getting the results that you used to get with the same things that you were doing, I think. And uh, finally, one day you came home and said, or I said, actually, and told you that, you know, we can't do this anymore. Uh, I was afraid that you were going to actually hurt someone <laughs> because you were so stressed out about the current environment. Um, and at that point, Steve from Bank Card Systems reached out to you um, by chance, I think. But I think it was more like fate. He reached out to you and um, asked you if you wanted to, he wanted to become involved again. Uh, more financially and as a mentor rather than, you know, directly involved like he had been before. And that's the point where we started Secure Bank Card, which we'll get into the details of in future episodes. But for now, I just want to focus on how the past shaped the way you came into building the business that we currently run. When you thought about building Secure Bank Card, what were the things that you wanted to be sure that you carry forward and the ones that maybe you wanted to leave behind? You know, we talk about where have we go, where have we come from and where are we going to? And I think that, you know, we talked a little bit about each one of those areas today from where did I come from? I learned from bank card systems. This is how to take on challenges. This is how to implement new things. This And don't be afraid to take on a challenge or look at things and try to figure out how to do them differently. We learned from our time at Concord EFS how to run a business. How do you physically run a business? What's the most effective way to manage people? What's the most effective way to manage money? What's the most effective way to take and run a business? Then we learned from Pipeline, holy moly, how do you do all that but start it from scratch? How do you, how do you play this, the role of bootstrap entrepreneur as we did with pipeline data. We took all of those things and we were fortunate enough to be able to take all of those things and put them together and start our business secure bank card in 2011. And fortunately for you and I, it was not just us. You know, it was me with my credit card processing experience, you with your accounting background and Steve, our mentor, who was there to help us with encouragement was direction questions purposeful questions why not what are we doing next drive ambition those things it it was a we were able to put all that together to start secure bank card and we're very fortunate we were able to do so yeah, he was very good at um, mentoring from afar, I would say. He didn't meddle. He didn't get involved in the day-to-day, -day, but he was very good about understanding the overall picture and kind of guiding us and helping us in that. Um, and also, to be honest, when you start a wholesale ISO and you want to start the way that we did, um, which was have our own bin, so we needed a sponsor bank to be able to do that, you also have to have a very strong financial backing and I think that we had been, you know, responsible in our corporate journey up until then, both of us with our professional careers, but you really need next level uh, <laughs> financial backing to secure that sponsorship relationship. And Steve was also um, a big factor in that for us to help us in that part. So we were able to get that strong relationship in the very beginning. Oh, absolutely. Not that we had not been diligent in trying to get ourselves set up so that at some point we could actually retire, but we didn't have anything from a mean standpoint. 
that could have attracted or allowed us to attract a financial institution to come with a startup to provide its own bin that we would not have been able to do that without Steve. That's so true, Kevin. And that is why um, mentorship is one of our values at Secure Bank Card. Um, obviously, Steve's involvement early on in your career has followed you all the way through to us starting this company. Um, you learned everything about the business being involved in his company in the beginning. And now our hope is to do the same thing for people who work with us. We have a real um, collaborative culture in our office where we feel like everyone should know um, a little bit about everything. And we you know, are very open about people learning areas outside of their own if they're curious about them. And we encourage that um, curiosity about learning other parts of the business. That's all for our episode today, but I briefly want to talk about the things you can expect to hear us cover on this podcast. We call this podcast Ground Game for a reason. If we think about selling payments as the ultimate goal, there's so much that we can do in our ground game that will lead us to success in that goal. Yet those things aren't often talked about. Sales advice, yes, there's lots of it. Operational advice on the nuts and bolts of how to build and run an ISO, not so much. That's the reason I wanted Kevin to talk about his professional history in this first episode, to give you an idea of the hands-on experience he's had in building out these operational areas. And with my financial background, I can hopefully offer some solid advice on that front too. We're going to talk about things we've actually been in the weeds on, built from scratch, and our hope is that we can share that experience with you. So I hope you'll join us for future episodes. Thanks so much for listening. 